Brad and Glenda Pius. Thank you so much for sewing into Morning Drive Bible. Without your commitment and support, this initiative couldn't come to fruition. Greetings from Jerusalem. My name is David Nekrutman. And my name is Scott Kahn. And welcome to Morning Drive Bible. Morning Drive Bible. David, we've been doing this already for a little while. Right now I have a double espresso. (laughs) (laughs) This has been a very controversial subject. A lot of feedback about how we're handling the subject matter. I think there's a good rapport between you and I in, in dealing with an issue that in certain places in the abortion argument and looking at it from our own personal lives in relation to the topic itself and within Jewish law. Obviously, we always say two Jews, three opinions, and Orthodox Jewish law, when it comes to the physical threat of the mother's life vis-a-vis the fetus, or I would say a baby, then we come into the situation, okay, so when is an abortion allowed? And almost every opinion within Jewish law, even those that look at the fetus as essentially more or less a baby, would still argue that in the case of danger to the mother's life, at least acute danger to the mother's life, the mother's life does take precedence, as we talked about in an earlier podcast. Correct. So we want to make it very clear that me, David Nekrutman, is very much pro-life. And I hate to use the term pro-choice in describing my position because it's not as though I agree with the position that someone can just get a drive-by abortion. I don't believe that at all. However, in terms of my understanding of legislation, I believe that as a political matter, we should allow abortions more than the pro-life community would often want. I don't believe they should be outlawed per se. Ah, okay. That's something that I think we need to discuss after we go through the gamut of Jewish law and actually examine what it means to legislate a greater society based upon our value system. Hopefully it's based on biblical values and faith. And how that biblical value or faith in general translates into public policy. It's not always so simple. It's not always so simple. Correct. Sometimes you can't always legislate morality. The problem is, David, now we're agreeing. Let's get into oh, the stuff wait, wait, we disagree. Oh, man, on, I want to disagree let's, with you, let's Scott. Let's mix it up. Well, I think we well, have last to... time you, you went at me, you took a piece from the Talmud that specifically talked about the subject of a woman, in theory, was given a capital punishment. She's pregnant. We would think we should wait until the baby is born, but the rabbis decided, no, the pregnant woman— That's not a factor. That's not a factor. And they actually quote it from Exodus chapter 21. Which is the verse which is most often used to describe abortion as not murder. Because the case gives manslaughter of a woman and manslaughter of a fetus, and the rule is different for each. Right. Which implies that they're not the same. Nevertheless, you refuse to capitulate to my impossible-to-refute argument. So I think you have more to say about the topic today. I do. And first of all, I would like to bring the verse from Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5. And it specifically says there that we should live with our faith. That is a classic Jewish idea, v'chai bahem. One must live according to the laws of the Torah, of the Bible, and not die by them is the classic interpretation given by the rabbis. Exactly. There are only three instances we would be martyred for our faith if one has forcefully is asking us to violate the tenets of idol worship and go away from God or to murder somebody else. And the third one is... Various sexual offenses. Correct. Essentially, if somebody has a gun to your head and says, do this thing or I will kill you, in general, there are certain circumstances where it is not quite so simple, but in general, Jewish law mandates and requires a person to live, 
It's not even an option. A person must violate the Sabbath, for example, rather than be martyred. But when it comes to idolatry, when it comes to murder, when it comes to sexual offenses, we say better to be martyred than to violate those tenets. Right. But that's the point. On the Sabbath, which is very sacred in the Jewish community... It's not only sacred. In fact, the definition for millennia of a serious... Torah-abiding Jew was someone who is a Sabbath observer. When you say, is he a Sabbath observer in Hebrew, a Shomer Shabbat, that is the classic term for what we would now call what maybe an Orthodox Jew or a Halacha Jewish law-following Jew. It was never termed Orthodox. That's a relatively new term in the past 150 years. It was Correct. called a Sabbath observer. Sabbath observer. But when it comes to issues of pekuach nefesh, if someone's life is at stake, you violate the Sabbath to save the person's life. And in fact, the great code of fire, Maimonides, has said that if a person chooses to be martyred rather than violate the Sabbath, he is guilty of one of the worst offenses of desecration of the divine name, meaning it's a desecration of the divine name to be martyred when you're not supposed to be. Because of this verse in Leviticus. You must live by the Torah. You You do not die by the Torah except in exceptional circumstances. Now, there's also a second verse in Exodus chapter 31, verse 16. The Bible has many verses. There's more than two verses. Yes. You know that. But my point is, is when it comes to issues of saving one's life, then you are supposed to go ahead and violate Jewish law to save the person's life except for the three cases we just discussed. So how does that relate to abortion, David? Uh, so on the Sabbath, I'm just giving you an example. The pregnant woman feels that her life is being threatened, and we're assessing that she's okay, but her fetus, as you would say, fetus, I would say baby, seems to be in distress. Then would we violate the Sabbath for this human being or fetus from your point of view? Well, let's first back up. If someone has a major financial loss, they're going to lose all of their money. They're not allowed to violate the Sabbath. For example, if your house is burning, as right? long as everyone's safe, safe, you cannot put out the fire. You can't, you can't put out the fire. If there's a danger that someone might get burned, that's different. But let's assume it's not a threat to life, then you cannot put out the fire. And yet, when yeah. it comes to a fetus... The law is that you're allowed to save the fetus. You're allowed to save the fetus. Well, that seems to throw so a yesterday, into my position. Yesterday, when you went ahead and you talked about your case of a pregnant woman, we don't wait for her to give birth before we give her the capital crime. And basically, the concept is, well, she's part of the woman. She's the limb of the woman. That's In the, the words ex- of the Talmud, it's her body. It's her body. And we don't even consider the husband part in the contribution of the child, which will be taking away from his property if you're treating the the fetus as property. The fetus isn't property, and it is not a human being. It's part of the mother's body. Classic pro-choice perspective. Exactly. And And yet over here, we're saying something very different. Right. We're saying that... The mother's going to survive. She's fine. Mother's fine. Right? It shouldn't be a violation of Sabbath, but it is. It is. One is allowed to violate and mandated to violate the Sabbath. So it's not so simple, Scott. It's not simple. You're telling me the Jewish law is not simple? It's not simple. Wow, that's the biggest thing I've learned today. (laughs) We're going to have to continue this, David. There's a lot more to be said. I'm Scott Kahn. I'm David Necrotman. Blessings from Jerusalem.